Hey, what's up? This is Ross Bryant, and you're listening to Improv Nerd. Jimmy, Jimmy Corrine, Jimmy Corrine's a nerd. Jimmy Corrine's an improv nerd. Jimmy Corrine's a nerd. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Corrine, Jimmy Corrine's a nerd. Jimmy Corrine's an improv nerd. Jimmy Corrine's a nerd. Hey, everybody, this is Jimmy Corrine, and this is another episode of Improv Nerd. Actually, it is our 51st episode of Improv Nerd, and I'm just saying that for tax purposes. Our guest today is a member of the Second City Main Stage, where he is currently doing their 101st review called Let Them Eat Chaos. He's a member of Improvised Shakespeare, as well as Baby Wants Candy. We're talking about none other than Ross Bryan. So Ross, in part of this interview, starts talking in great detail about his recent Saturday night live audition, which gets me to think about the time that I almost got to audition for Saturday Night Live. Now I've talked about it in bits and pieces in parts of other podcasts, but now I'm going to give you the full story. It's about 20 years ago. I'm in my 30s. My roommate at the time is Dave Keckner. And we're living in an apartment where dwarfs used to live, which means that the kitchen is like a little dwarf kitchen. There's a little dwarf counters, a little dwarf sink. You actually have to sit in a chair to do the dishes. Now, Dave's performing at the Second City. He's in a resident company. A lot of my friends at this point are either in a touring company at Second City or they're doing one of the resident stages. Me, I'm not at the Annoyance anymore. I'm not at I.O. I'm just depressed. So the talent scouts from SNL come to Chicago and they go to shows at Second City. And at the time, the big show at Second City was the main stage show, Pinata Full of Bees, which was like a groundbreaking show. And it has like John Glazer in it, Adam McKay, uh, Rachel Dratch, Scott Atzett. And then they go and they look at the, the other the other resident companies, ETC. And Nor- at the time, there was a company called Northwest, which was out in a suburb called Schaumburg. And they're hot on Dave Keckner and Nancy Walls. And they are so hot on Dave, as they say in LA, there's so much heat on Dave that we end up, Dave and I, end up getting $5,000, which seems like a lot of money at the time, to produce a pilot presentation. And what a pilot presentation is basically is they'll give you money to put on, a, you know, like a broadcast quality show of what, what you'd like to do. So we pitched him on, the, on this idea, Keckner and Crane. It's not even our idea. It's our friend Terry Miller's idea. We gather all our friends up and we shoot it and we send it off to New York. They don't like it and nothing comes of it. I say nothing comes of it, but doing that pilot presentation, Keckner and Crane for Broadway video, I am now on the radar for SNL auditions. And I am in no emotional state to do that. I am such a mess that I haven't performed at this point for like a year and a half. I am afraid to go back and improvise. And when I say I'm on the radar for the SNL auditions, they actually gave me a date and a time. They gave me a plane ticket and they also gave me a hotel reservation. They're paying my way to go out there and I am terrified. I now have one month until I have to go to New York for a Saturday Night Live audition. And I have to come up with three characters. And at this point in my career, I am convinced that I'm not good at doing characters. Plus, three celebrity impersonations, which I always thought was cheating. And I never practiced or was any good at celebrity impersonations. So, I waste the whole month. I don't do anything. I obsess about it. I'm filled with anxiety. I'm filled with fear. But I don't come up with three characters. I don't come up with three celebrities. I wait till the last weekend to work on it. That Monday, I'm supposed to get on an airplane from Chicago to go to New York. And then the following Tuesday, I have an audition for Saturday Night Live. That weekend, all alone, in my apartment, 
I make the decision myself that I'm not going to audition for SNL. And I tell myself, I'm not ready. So the other part of my plan, since it's the weekend and I can't contact my agent, I convince myself that the best thing to do is to go in and tell her in person. That night I can't sleep. I'm filled with fear. But I'm also relieved that I'm not going to audition for SNL. That's how fucked up I was. Monday morning comes. I go to my agents. Now it's a, it's a modeling agency that does some talent in the basement. They make all their money with the models so that the, the talent is in the basement. So I go down to the basement and uh, she's in her cubicle behind all, she's got all the headshots behind her. In, in those days they were black and white headshots. Now she gives me my United Airline ticket to go to New York. And I tell her, look, I've changed my mind. I don't think SNL is something I want to do. And she reacts just like my parents do. Fine. I totally understand. And I want to tell you something. I feel sad. I feel sad that I made the decision alone. I feel sad that I don't have people at this point in my life that I could go for and get advice. I feel sad that I don't have people that I can ask for help to work on three characters and to work on three celebrity impersonations. And the thing I feel the saddest about the most is that, I'll be honest with you, I never had a shot for Saturday Night Live. I never had a shot, I, I, and I, I wouldn't be good for that show. Even 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been good for that show. But I would have liked the opportunity. I would have liked the experience to go and audition. Even just for bragging rights, to go and say you auditioned for Saturday Night Live. Because that year there was like 10 or 12 people from Chicago. And that was like like Adam McKay, who, who you know has directed Anchorman and, and, and Talladega Nights. He got hired as a writer. Tom Giannis, who, was, who had directed Pinata Full of Bees, got hired as a writer. Dave Koechner got hired. Uh, Nancy Walls got hired in the cast. Brian Stack auditioned for it. I believe John Glazer auditioned for it. I mean, there were, Scott Adsit auditioned for it. I mean, it was it was it was an elite group of people, and I was not one of them. So here's how the rumor mill works. It's a couple of years after I turned down the SNL audition. I'm driving out to the suburbs. I'm doing a live industrial. Uh, with another actor. He's an, I can't remember his name, but he was an improv. He, he, he worked at Second City. His name was Pat. Really, really talented guy. We're driving out to do a golf show, like a golf trade show in like a, like this, just some suburb. It's like really depressing, um, like conference center kind of thing. We're driving out there and we're talking. We're having a nice conversation. And he goes, hey, man, do you mind me asking you about your SNL audition? He said, I heard that you turned it down because it wasn't something you wanted to do. And then he said it like, you know, it was really a cool thing, like it was a noble thing to do. Like I had a lot of integrity, like I was an artist and I was like, you know what, I won't do SNL. But the truth is, I didn't do it because I was noble and didn't do it because I had integrity. I did it because I was afraid. Thank God Ross Bryant is not afraid to audition for SNL. Because in this interview, he tells us in great detail, you almost feel like you're there about his experience auditioning for SNL. He also talks about improvising with Patrick Stewart in Improvised Shakespeare. And what makes this really cool is Ross's parents are in the audience for this show. I know you're going to enjoy it. about a taping of Improv Nerd than seeing a main stage show at Second City? Absolutely. <laughs> they're happy to be acknowledged. Like well, they're not going to get that at the main stage, are they? Hell no. That's something we can do right here at Improv Nerd. That's right. You know? Now, um, we had you on in 2012, the winter. That's 2012. Right. It was you and Joey Bland talking about the Improvised Shakespeare Company. And people love that episode. 
They loved it. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and but since then, you've gone on to Second City Main Stage. You've gotten great reviews, and uh, you didn't have much sketch experience, did you? Starting? No, no, I didn't have. Uh, before I started uh, at Second City, I didn't have any sketch experience. I hadn't done any sketch ever um, before auditioning for Second City. Um, so, what was that experience like doing your first Main Stage show? I'm, well. Once you, of course, are, are at the point that you're going to be considered to be put on that stage, you've done a bunch of archival sketches in touring or on ships or on whatever other venues you happen to luckily land via Second City. Um, and they also do give you a lot of opportunity to, to write during that time when you're sort of like in that hopper with all those other people. Um, but yeah, sketch hadn't been what I, what I moved here for or what I had a lot of experience for uh, before getting involved with Second City. So, um, but luckily, the process of this show was very, very improv heavy and leaned very much on the improv skills of the people in the cast. Uh, because the cast is phenomenal, mm -hmm. great improvisers, every single person. So uh, the very first day, our director, Matt Hufty, the very first day of the process, uh, Matt is somebody who is kind of known as a robot of a director, like literally like kind of does a show by the book, has a book that he, ha that he, that he goes from. Uh, and he's put together phenomenal shows with, with Second City. But because he was going back to back, because he directed the previous show on the main stage, he kind of wanted to push that aside and take a little bit more of a heart-first approach rather than a head-first approach. Because he's very head-first. I mean, yeah. he, he, he times the scenes, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, every director should just to make sure that the, that the acts aren't going crazy, crazy long. But he's uh -huh. timing everything, uh, and he approaches scenic uh, sketch comedy like, like science. Uh -huh. um, he's, he's a very, very cerebral Which director. you think would take the fun out of it. Yeah, but it's, it's great to have somebody like that in your corner mm -hmm. so that you can kind of... Uh, just focus on on trying to trying to do the scene, and then he can give you the give you the notes. But he didn't have us submit almost any written pitches. It was almost all uh, improv and improv premises and stuff out of scenes. And in fact, like the a scene that's in a show in the show now that Holly Laurent and I do, mm -hmm. um, where, where we play two uh, Bohemian Panamanian characters. Uh, was an uh, improv scene in the set on the very first night of process. That, uh, so that was the, f that was the first improv what scene I had done on the main stage is now in the show. Okay, th th that was the first... That was probably the first improv scene I'd done in a set after being a member of the main what stage. What was your fear going into that process? My fear going into that yeah. process was, I mean, there's probably a fear that anybody would have going into a process like that. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to be the weak link. Everybody's uh -huh. going to hate me. Um, but... Uh, Everybody is so supportive in that cast, and, and that, 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 I feel, is what marked that entire process. Is Did you have any, do you have any doubts during the process? Absolutely. And well, I, give and me I an think, example. An example? I mean, well... Because it's such an intense process. Anyone who hasn't been through it, it's really intense. I mean, it'll make you almost crazy, don't you think? There are parts of it that do, and, and before, before it began, I feel like I had a ton of people warning me. It's like, ah, oh, sweet, I, I, I got me say I can't believe it. It's like, awesome, man, get ready to lose your life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kiss your loved ones goodbye. <laughs> this is the only thing you're going to be able to focus on. And the first couple of weeks, I was like, not really. It's, it's. I mean, it's. It was very. It's very, very fun. But you kind of ramp into it, right? You're, you you begin pitching things. You begin improvising. The old show starts to become dismantled. Now, do you start out in pitching? Do you start out slow and you hang back, or do you just you go? I'm Ross Bryan. I'm just gonna. Well, you. <laughs> yeah, it was like. Neil Mortals. <laughs> I don't Not know. You, I don't no. know if you've seen improv Shakespeare. But I, yeah, yeah, I didn't know yeah, what I'm doing. No, uh, not at all. Uh, you, you can't. You, I mean, you can't hang back. You're not given the opportunity to hang back. You have to deliver because uh, everybody, everybody is pitching. Uh, and one thing that makes Matt such a good director is he always has an eye for balance. So he's never, he's never going. If if you haven't spoken up yet in a pitch session, he's always going to make sure to to check on you to see if you've got anything. Um, but the kind of assignments that you'd get would be everybody bring in a premise for an improv scenario tomorrow, and you bring in that premise. You'd improvise it either in rehearsal or if it was simple enough or you had confidence or you were like, I have confidence that this could just kind of go up in the set. You'd be like, great, we don't need to see it. Just throw it up in the set. Um, and so, yeah, it, was, it leaned very heavily on, on improv. And it, it had a, the whole process flowed very intuitively like that. Without so the show writing. opens up. You get great reviews. The show gets great <sighs> reviews. 
Do you feel uncomfortable that you were singled out in some of the reviews? In, uh, kind of. Okay, how do you feel about the Rolling Stone in the article that says Ross Bryant should be one person they should consider for Saturday Night Live? I think that's awesome. <laughs> I hate they, it. <laughs> I'm in this for the art, for the recognition. So I wish the audience would leave. <laughs> No, it's, it's awesome. It's great. I mean, I, I, I appreciate I appreciate everything. I appreciate any attention or any good things anybody has to say. It's, it's awesome. But, I mean, no reviewer has seen it from the inside. Everybody who's done sketch comedy or improv knows that anybody's success is only possible because of the hard work of everybody in that group. And, and, I, and anybody who's read or written a review knows that how subjective it is. And there are plenty of reviews. There, for any review where someone's like, this guy was great. There's another reviewer like, that guy doesn't get mentioned. So it's, it's, it's all... Has it's Saturday all Night Live contacted you? Yes. Have you... Where is it in the process? I... You could probably... Is this uncomfortable? <laughs> no. Okay. No, I, 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 got, I, I flew out to audition last month. Okay, and how did it go? I don't know how to how to gauge that really. Okay, can you? <laughs> I, I seriously like. Okay, I, can you tell tell us a little about what happened in the audition? I'm, they yeah, actually, sure. Uh, I mean, it's it's a completely surreal. Why? Process. Why? 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 Are you uncomfortable? Am I uncomfortable? Who's uncomfortable? I don't know. This guy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just there's a very about. there's a very like secretive stuff about SNL, isn't there? Yeah. Okay. Well, we. <laughs> Well, Did your parents know you auditioned? Yeah. Okay, the first person I, the, okay. My mom was the first person I told. And what was her reaction? What, 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 my, it was like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> now I think we are going to get a TV. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get a TV if you get on there, right. Ross. No, it's, it's, it's completely surreal. And they do tell you not to talk about it. And, and why would you talk about it? It's like, it's like you don't... The worst who person tells you, you not to talk about it? Be the person who like, guess who just got an audition? <laughs> who, who tells you not to talk about it? The, your agent. Is it a Chicago agent, uh, or an LA or New York agent? Uh, New York agent. New York agent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, they, they, they uh, I get, somebody came and saw the show. Okay. Um, and before or after the article? Before. Okay. And um, and so, I was I had been working on a tape already. When you mean a tape? Like you sub submit an audition tape. Okay. Uh, which which was handy because I'd already been I'd already been working. And on what is on that tape? Three characters and a couple impressions. Yeah, I mean you just do five minutes of characters and impressions. That's okay, the, that's the audition. So okay. that's what I was preparing, and then and then I got the call that yeah you're gonna you're gonna get to go and do it uh, at the studio. So which was actually kind of a load off my mind because taping is kind of weird. But mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just worked on the audition and then. The actual process of it is completely surreal. You just kind of so you're going. Were you auditioning at Thirty Rock? Does this, okay. Yeah, you go. You you go to uh, you go to Thirty Rock and you uh, uh, yeah. You, you see, so you walk in. You kind of do your name badge thing. It's a very like like walking into any other office. You just go up the elevator and you go and you into the little holding area and you wait. Are there other people in that area? Yeah, you see everybody. And how do you deal with that? Like. The competition part of it. Well, I knew some people there. Okay, and, like and like who else? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, I the, and I'll say this. I'll say this. Is that the thing that everybody there had in common is that they're uh, all eating Chick Fil A. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that they were all people who uh, had not already been flown out before. Okay. Like so. So if all all those people had in common that they had that they hadn't been seen uh -huh. yet. Okay. So I think that's why the the batch of us were there, um, and you're all staying. You all stay together, right? Kind of. You're just kind of in the same like right. hallway, and then uh, so yeah, you just wait and wait and wait, and then uh, now I've heard like they make people wait ungodly, like hours, hour and a half. It wasn't that bad. Like I, I waited. I was glad I had the amount of time to just kind of sit and like. What's going on in your head? I, to me, I'd be like, okay, the first year I'm gonna make five thousand dollars. <laughs> My life is going to change. What is going on in your head? <laughs> I should probably call a real estate agent to get an apartment <laughs> on the east side. Right. No, uh, no, I'm just running my audition. Okay. I'm trying, trying to, Are trying you to be, trying to calm myself down. Are you nervous? Yeah. Okay. And what do you do to calm yourself down? Talk to the other people. Okay. Yeah, just chat. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and just kind of shut the door and, and run the thing. 
run the audition, and then eventually someone comes and gets you, you walk down into the into the stage and it's the stage where they do the, like the host does the monologue. So it's like walking into a virtual reality chamber where you're just like, I've seen this on TV, and, but I'm somehow interacting with it in real life. And then, uh, and then you, you turn around, you stand on your X. At the time, as they're walking you towards that spot, uh, the cameraman is just like, great man, just do your fight. He's like this just working class, like union camera guy. <laughs> Yeah, man, just do your thing. Uh, you, you can play to the whole room. Uh, you don't have to look at the camera. You can if you want to. If they're not laughing, don't worry. Look at me. I'll be laughing. And then, <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. So, got, so that guy, I got every, you back. Everybody, everybody, from top to bottom, it puts you completely at ease. Everybody's so psyched for you. Everybody's so excited for you and, and com so nice. And uh, so, yeah, you just stand on the mark. And at, by the time you've had time to process all the stuff that he's just said to you, he's already counted down to three. And then it's like two, and then, and then you just do. So you're there you on did. this, and then you look out, and can you see Lauren Michaels and, and Marcy Klein and all those people, or not? Uh, you just see like the, Their everybody's shadows? kind of backlit, and you okay. just kind of see him over there, like the, the council of elders. <laughs> and did you play, because you're known, in, in terms of performance, you're known as, as big energy and stuff like that. Did you bring that kind of energy or did you bring it down a little? I don't, well, it's a very big cavernous space, so I just try to treat it like a theater. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I just try to execute what I prepared and that's what I did and God bless, I don't know what will happen, man. Did they say no anything to you at the end of the audition? No. Nothing? No. And how, how, do, how do you process that? Like, to me, it's like, oh, they didn't like me, or maybe they, I, if they didn't say anything. How do you deal with, with them not saying anything? I, I mean, I didn't really expect them to say anything. I feel like all you hear is that, like, it's the coldest room in the world. No one's going to laugh. No one's going to do anything. You're just going to kind of do it in a vacuum and be confident with what you're doing. And so that's, that's the attitude I went in with. You hear a couple of, like, titters, like, laughs, kind of, maybe. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> And then when you're done, just I just said thanks, and then and then you walk back to where you were. How quick did the whole thing go? It felt that, like five seconds. Mm -hmm. It's like because it's so much waiting around for five minutes of work, and then when, and then it's done, you're just like. Did ah. you replay it in your head? Yeah, of like like I. When, what 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 would you have done differently? as you replayed it in your head? <laughs> I don't know why I had a hard time getting that question out, but I did. What would I have done differently? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, no, I was. I think what I did was pretty textbook perfect. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, As you replayed in your head, what what came up? I think up? if I, I mean, I, I don't know. I probably would have played. Maybe tried to ignore the camera more and played to, played to them more. Because mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm used to performing in front of audiences. So I, if I, I feel like, I might have been more comfortable if I treated them like an mm -hmm. audience rather than playing to the camera. But I don't know. Now, do you call? I would be calling my agent every day. Did you hear anything? Did you hear anything? <laughs> Yeah, they, I mean, they called me right afterwards and were pretty much like, uh, great, it's, it's done. Like, you, you may not hear anything until, until like, October. Because they're, apparently they're notoriously stingy with feedback. And, and fair enough. I mean, you're, right. you're probably seeing tons and tons of people. But. I feel good things about this. Do you? <laughs> I really do you, not, like, do yeah. you not think about it? No, I don't, I don't feel anything about it. I don't know, man. Okay. I, yeah. Can I hold on to the excitement for you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just... I, all I felt was, like, it's super cool to just participate in that, like, comedy ritual of doing that. Like, it's something that I've read about so many times in, in that Live from New York book or, or just, like, watching people's screen tests and stuff. It's just to, just to go through that little ritual was so... Surreal and awesome. You know, as, as I was preparing for this uh, interview, my wife helps me with the questions, Lauren, and she said, Ross Bryant, when I think of Ross Bryant, I think of joy as he performs, okay? <laughs> How, where does that come from? Because I, I feel the same thing, you know, that there's a joy when you perform. Because I, I love performing, and I love the people that I perform with. It's, it's great. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I moved here to do this, stuff. I didn't, I fell in love with it in college. I moved here to do it. If, if you're not having fun, then why are you doing it? You gotta, gotta try to have fun and just sweep, sweep yourself up in that. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't have shows where I'm just like, oh, this was, that was a really hard time. But, um, yeah, I hope, I hope that energy is infectious. I just get tickled by everybody else's sense of humor and 
I have a, I have a great, I have a great time. Which is interesting because knowing your background a little, you lived a very isolated life. Your father traveled around and stuff. And, and so how were you able, tell us a little about, you know, you guys moved a lot. Yes. You lived in isolated uh, environment. You were like a boy in the bubble. That's how I'm portraying it. Yeah, uh, you're making it sound like I live in like Little House on the Prairie or something. I, it, my yeah, d Dad works for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, so um, just as a as a result of that, we moved around a lot at a rate of about every two years. And when we moved to places, they would be places that were either close to or occasionally on national wildlife refuges, which are because they're wildlife refuges. These sort of remote bucolic, right. out-of-the-way uh, places. A lot so, of animals and not a lot of people. Right. Um, <laughs> like, occasion, like once, for example, uh, in Florida, we lived on a wildlife refuge called Loxahatchee National Wildlife Refuge, which was right abutted the Everglades. So it was a row of houses put up by the, by the Fish and Wildlife Service, and for part of the time we lived there, we had one, there was one family that lived near us with a little kid, Wade, mm -hmm. and then there was uh, another woman uh, Martha, who is like a family friend, and those were the only people who lived near us. And then we lived, uh, later on, we lived in the Eastern Shore, North Carolina, on an abandoned military base that had been sold to the Fish and Wildlife Service. And so it was living on a, a street of federal houses that had been used by the base. So just one house on a row of houses with no one living in any other house. How? <laughs> So my nearest, our nearest neighbor was m miles away, probably. So it was you, your sister, and your parents. Uh -huh. You were going to school right during the day. Yeah. Okay. How? Do, I mean, are you so excited to get to school because there's people there? <laughs> How do you develop the, this this joy and this great this great social skills that you have? I don't have great social skills. Really? <laughs> no, not not like great social skills. But uh, you I seem mean, personable to me. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if I like make friends super fast or anything. I don't know. Like is that because then, as, a, as a little kid, I I, I was I, mean, I think I was I was very uh, I was really outgoing, and, and that may have had something to do with being being sort of alone at home. But I liked I, I loved playing with kids and hanging out with kids at school. But yeah, at home I was just like reading comics because you guys listening did, to, or listening because you guys didn't have a TV till what like ten or twelve or something. Yeah, until we until we moved to Texas, so like sixth grade we got it. I got we got a TV because my mom wanted to watch. Ken Burns, The Civil War. <laughs> so rather than rent a TV, she just like bought one. I'm going to break down and actually buy one. Right. What, did she rent one prior to that? I think for you it was a rent to buy. Is that right? You, when people were coming to visit, like my father was a Redskins fan and okay. to watch football. So when people were coming to visit, we rent a TV. <laughs> did you feel shame about not having a TV when people came over? No, we never missed it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we missed it. My, my sister and I were like... <laughs> like that, that family friend in, in Florida, uh, we got to go over to her, her house every, every weekday and uh, watch one television show. And my sister and I uh, went back and forth on, on which show we get to watch. And if it was my sister's choice, we watched Sesame Street. If it was my choice, we watched DuckTales. <laughs> How do you think that's helped you with your imagination? Because a lot of people will say, like my parents will say, growing up listening to the radio, it's uh, you know the theater of the mind, and it really helps with your imagination. You and that's all we listen to. We listen to uh, mom and dad are big NPR devotees, so we listen to lots of lots of radio. And and I loved I loved listening to cassette tapes that they taped off the radio. We were just talking about this, like I. Uh, they had a, they had the Monty Python Live from the Hollywood Bowl on cassette tape. I wore that out. They had a this old radio sketch comedy group called Duck's Breath Theater. Right. Uh, wore that out. They had the entire uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio plays. <laughs> there was a time when I probably could have recited that from beginning to end, and just like wore those out. And yeah, so I think and I was the kid most likely to if you walked past my room, I would be like playing with. Spaceships made out of my own hands. <laughs> now you also said in high school you went to the performing arts high school in, in North Carolina. Yeah. And you said you were this tortured soul. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine what does. did that look like? You being a tortured soul. <laughs> <laughs> this is more black. <laughs> I don't know, just just like just 
I think it's completely typical teenage angst that at the time was probably like, I am the most deep person of all time. Like, Can I ask your parents, was that true? How was he like when he was in high school, in his tortured soul period? <laughs> he was tortured. <laughs> and then you end up here in Chicago and you start doing comedy sports. And I think this is, uh, you say that comedy sports training was, was really important to you. Can you explain that? Because for people who don't know comedy sports, it's short form. Why don't you explain it to them? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, comedy sports is uh, short games, like Whose Line Is It Anyway style, played. Uh, and it's really a show with an improv show inside it. The whole premise, the conceit of the show is that it's, you're watching a competition between two teams of improvisers, and at the end, a winner is declared. The winner doesn't really matter. But the audience votes by applause at the end of each game, and uh, you, at the end, a winner is decided. So I got, I got cast in comedy sports. Uh, maybe like five or six months after I moved to Chicago, and that was that was really the moment where I was like, oh, okay, I can do this because just doing IO classes, which I loved, is great. But you're doing it in that vacuum. You're just soaking up as much stuff as you can, and maybe and it, and it kind of maybe leads to you kind of overthinking it when you start to perform. But at comedy sports, you you had that instant instant audience reaction, and you could you could just put all that stuff into practice in front of an audience weekend after weekend after weekend. And it was just so helpful in like making yourself a versatile performer because it flexes all those different muscles because you sing a lot in comedy sports. It produces great musical improvisers. Uh, it, 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 it's great for scene work because uh, you don't have time to, to develop a really, a really long scene. So you, you just kind of cut, cut to the middle really quick, establish your, your who's, what's, and where's really quick. And, um, and it, 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 it's a form for bits. So I think that like, at its best, a good comedy sports player is what you want out of any good improviser, which is a good mix of like, bits and good scene work. And you also said it helped you develop a persona. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah, because, because it's that show within a show, you are sort of playing a heightened version of yourself in that show. Almost, almost the way like a professional wrestler does, I think. <laughs> kind of. and, and so... It makes you more at ease being on stage as yourself also. So you kind of get, you get used to being on stage as yourself and, and a little bit so that you're not necessarily just kind of the typical arms crossed, like scoping out the scene improviser maybe. You're just, you're in it, invested on stage and you're, you kind of have this persona that you take on maybe. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, and then you go on to do Baby Wants Candy Impro improvise Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Now you're doing the main stage. Now, when I think of those three, I think of very, it's comedy sports too, very tourist-friendly shows. Would you agree? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Th those are shows that frequently people say, when my parents are in town, I take them to that. Right. And you also performed on a lot of teams at I.O. and then the playground. Yeah. Okay. What is the difference between a, you performing for a tourist-friendly show and more student-based like you'd see at I.O. or Playground. Do you, do you adjust? No. No, I don't think... I mean, the difference is really only the audience. I guess you can... You, you read your audience in any show and, and can kind of maybe give them what they want to an extent, but ultimately you've got to follow your own sense of humor and your group's sense of humor. And I, I feel like I've heard this question in other, in other podcasts of yours. It's like on the main stage or something, have you, have you been asked to make your shows less weird or less, or less, less edgy or aggressive or, or anything like that? And that is by no means the case. Like, I feel like Baby Wants Candy, Shakespeare, and, and, and main stage, you're always encouraged to be weirder and, and darker. <laughs> like, and, and, that's, and that's totally fine. But you know what I hear sometimes is people be on the main stage and their improv skills will deteriorate a little because they can get up there and they can say boiled egg and they can get a laugh. Mm. How does Ross Bryant prevent that from happening? You just kind of have to keep challenging yourself, I guess. Because, um, I mean, I feel like I, I don't... Right now, the cast is such that I don't feel like I'm playing with people who are going for the easy easy laugh at any time. These are, these are top-notch improvisers who are I, always trying to push I don't think it's coming from better. the cast. I mean, if you come out in the audience, they're geared to laugh at Second City. Oh, yeah. You yeah. don't have to work as hard at Second City. Um, how, how do you stay sharp? We challenge ourselves, like, if, if we, like, we get to shake up the sets, right? So, um, more often than not, we'll just, like, do a, do a set where we'll take suggestions, do a run of scenes, take a suggestion, do a run of scenes. But every week, we'll, 
we'll try to throw ourselves a curveball doing something really strange. Like uh, recently, we um, I I wanted to do a set where we did an uh, improvised showcase. So we just put a microphone up and uh, got a list of uh, celebrities, characters, and locations, and then everybody had to improvise a five-minute uh, showcase of characters and impressions. When you mean showcase, explain what showcase means. Like, uh, like, like you would for an SNL-type uh -huh. uh, showcase or audition, like, like five minutes of, of solo sketch material, which is like so far out of all of our comfort zones. Right. <laughs> Except like, for you, you had a tape you'd already auditioned. Right, but you work on that for like months and right. months. And, uh, and just, just, I feel like always trying to push yourself to do something kind of weird and out there and on, on, on a ledge a little bit. Like, do something that scares you. As long as you can keep doing stuff that scares you, then I feel like your skills won't get moldy. We're going to do something that scares me. We're going to improvise right now. Great. Uh, so uh, we're going to take a suggestion. Uh, can we get a suggestion? We're going to do a two-person scene. Uh, can we get a, a suggestion from the audience? Cat. Cat. Okay, when you hear cat... What, what com what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Uh, the Anti-Cruelty Society. Okay. <laughs> just because I was just there. Okay. Yeah. When I hear cat, I think of, I have a cat at home mm -hmm. that I just stepped on his paw, you know? <laughs> um, so, now, now what do we do? <laughs> no, no. So, um, how, how do you take cat and bring it into to our scene? Into our scene right now. We're gonna do it. That yes, we're about it. to do. Yeah. Do you so, want to tell me, or you want to go into it and we talk about it later? <laughs> I always like this part because it's it's we can stall a little, but also because it, it, it's an insight to your process. Um. I feel like the natural thing would be to like. If if I heard Cat and heard and and it instantly made me think of Anti Cruelty Society, then I would probably. Uh, try to set us there within the first couple of lines. Okay. Either that or do something cat-like myself. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, all right, let's go. Great. That one was looking right at you. Stuart? I know, and he's so fat. <laughs> I love him big and chunky. <laughs> I like a cat that's very indolent, that just sits mm -hmm. on a perch. <laughs> you can't do it, Brian, though. Stuart, you brought me all the way down here. I, we can't keep coming back here every Saturday. I just want to come and pet. I just want to come and pet and play, but the landlord will freak. So, I had an idea. We could sneak him in. Our landlord is, is you've heard, she's Polish. She, I know. <laughs> she's lived through a world war. I understand. <laughs> I thought about this. We'll put it in my gym bag, all right? And then you'll bring a pizza up with me so she smells the pizza. She won't detect anything. She'll probably detect the screams of the cat as it tries to escape from your gym. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's your birthday today. I wanted to do something special and you ruined it. I'm, I'm having a great time. I came to see a cat. Don't, I don't to do this right now, Brian. Stewards. Cats are very sensitive I to emotion. It's going to freak I know. out. Well, we, they, 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 it's not even part of our family yet. So now we're talking about family. Yes, we are. We've been in a relationship wow. now for four years. Okay. You, you, you want to crawl before we run, okay? That's why I wanted to get a cat. If you just want, listen, if, if you want to make this a family scenario, I wish we would have just had that conversation. I'm doing it right now, because every time I leave it on your voicemail, you just seem to delete it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't like to listen to voicemails? You gotta stop, you gotta stop calling me while I'm on my bike. <laughs> just like pedaling, my pocket is ringing, I'm like, shut up! <laughs> I get serious road rage. I, just calm down, Stuart, okay? Right. It's your birthday. Right. It's your special day. I Thank don't want to ruin it. Right. Thank you for bringing it here. You would really want to bring a child into this? Yes. <laughs> you think you're ready for that? 
Oh, don't project it on me. I have been ready since I met you to have a child. <laughs> You're the one who's not ready. Oh, what, just because I don't have a job right now? Yes. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, you're the provider. I get it. I get it. <laughs> are you switching to a dog now? Hmm? You're just going to switch to a dog. Well, at least dogs are loyal. <laughs> a cat will just sit there and gaze at you from across the room with a little judgmental glare. I get it, Stuart. I get it. You don't have to talk in metaphors. <laughs> to be straight. You want to bring a baby into this? Yes. I want to adopt a baby, a Korean child. <laughs> yes. I want to shake things up. You've already decided, like, a, a, a baby is not an, an accessory, Brian. <laughs> what are you talking about? You think I don't go on your Pinterest? <laughs> you went on my Pinterest? Yeah. I'd rather have you go into my diary than my Pinterest. I see you, oh, I see you I, pinning, I I see pinning all these you, it's pictures. It's not for of you. Me. It's not for you to go into my Pinterest. <laughs> so your baby is just like a nice boutonniere that happens to be alive. Yes, until it gets, yes, until it gets bigger and then the boutonniere can walk away and go to college. Uh, you think that's the end of yes, the story? Yes, I just want to show people that we are, we care about kids. You know, since we've been going out, people have been saying, why don't you have kids? Why don't you want to have kids? But if we adopt a Korean kid, it's going to end the conversation. <laughs> so are you doing this for the kid or are you doing this for people's judgment? Because I stopped caring about what people think a long time ago. If I lived my life trying to appeal to everybody, then I would still be in Cullowee, North Carolina. <laughs> working at my dad's flower shop. <laughs> I want to have a child, okay? Because I do care what other people think. Well, that's not what a child needs, Brian. You don't understand. Ever since you lost your job, people have, pe I, we've not been invited, we were not invited to the Kaufmans for their Oscar party. Steve and Bill did not invite us to the Christmas party. Why do you think that is? Because you're out of work. <laughs> This says more about our judgmental friends than it does about us, okay? If the Kaufmans don't want me fucking up their Oscar pool with my unemployed vibes, they can tell me to my face. Well, they were concerned because it was $25 to, to, to get into the pool and they didn't think you had it. And I said, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll put the money out for them. Do you, do you see what? I, this kid is, I need this kid for our relationship. <laughs> this, a kid is not going to solve this, okay? okay. P people do this all the time. People want to have a kid thinking that it's going to draw two people together. We need to fix this first. What is wrong with this? Oh, you don't see anything no, wrong with this? No, I don't see this. anything. You don't see anything if wrong with this? If you got a job, everything would be fine. Oh my God. <laughs> Why don't you just get a job at Starbucks? Just some part-time things? I am job. not going back there. <laughs> When I walked out of there, I salted the earth. I did not quit. I burned that place to the ground with my words. And if I crawl back there, a part of story is going to die, okay? I will never work an espresso machine again. I'm gonna keep auditioning, and something's oh, gonna happen. Stuart, please, <laughs> gonna happen. please, please, something's please gonna happen. Stop it! Stop it! Your acting sucks. <laughs> I'm gonna say it right now. Your acting sucks. Okay? Oh my God! Is this Brian or is this Trevor Moynihan, my college acting teacher, right now? <laughs> so you don't believe in me? No, I don't. You think I should just crawl back and get a job? Yes. But this is the man you want to raise a child with. I don't want our child to be raised by a bad actor. <laughs> do you want him to be raised by someone who's happy? Or do you want him to be raised by someone who is broken? That is your best performance yet, <laughs> This is not a performance. Okay. This is me being real with you, okay? Oh, really? Yeah. 
I am real with you. You don't think I wouldn't want to have a child at some point? But I need to, I need to be comfortable with where I am first. Okay, I can't feel like I'm always in your shadow all the time. I'm, I'm always just Brian's boyfriend. Oh, this is Brian's boyfriend. Isn't he cute? Oh, Brian's boyfriend's doing a thing at that theater. Isn't that cute? What are you? Oh, spear carrier number three. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that. It's just sometimes I feel like people just see me as your... Yeah, again, just this accessory. Well, see what happens when you're more successful. That's what happens. Maybe I shouldn't be as successful. I'm not asking you not to be successful. Well, I don't know what you're asking. I don't, I don't want to take you down a peg, okay? I just want you to support me. Well, I just, I just want to tell you this. I have been playing small. So you feel better about yourself, but apparently it hasn't worked. Oh, this is you playing small? Yes. I wanted twins. <laughs> and I thought, he's not going to be able to handle twins. Do you know how many waiting lists we would have to get on to adopt twins? I just didn't want a Korean. I wanted a Korean, and I wanted someone from Cambodia. <laughs> but I knew you weren't going to handle it. Because you'd be jealous of the attention I'd give him. Like when we run lines, and I memorize them like that, and actually I do the part better than you do. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> that FedEx commercial? More meat, more meat? Yeah, I've got your meat right here. <laughs> is that, is that what that was? Get that was, yes, that okay. was what I did. I just saw this blank stare like this guy didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know what I said. That was my moment before, okay? okay. <laughs> Those glasses are really paying off, aren't they? You feel like you've been holding yourself back? Yes. Well, I don't want to see you holding yourself back anymore. I want you to go and be the best man that you can be. Because only when you're at your best is when I can be my best, okay? But I want you to treat me like you want me around. I want you to introduce me to your friends when we go out. Babe, what? I'm always painted as the bad guy. Well, sometimes you are. <laughs> oh, really? I can live with that. I just don't like being talked down to all the time. Well, if you'd get a job, I wouldn't have to talk down oh, to you. Oh, okay, case in point, case in point. I mean, I paid for everything. I paid for everything in this relationship for the last three years. I am so sorry. I'll apply for another credit card if you want. So we can bring up more credit card debts? And don't tell me you have an audition at the Goodman and it's all gonna work out. Because that's what you said six years ago when we first met. And every couple of years, you have a big audition. And every, every, every couple of years, you choke. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm not holding anything back anymore. I don't know if I can be with somebody who doesn't believe in me. All right? Maybe today is the day. Maybe today is the day I realize that. Maybe you don't want someone to be with. Maybe you just want your Southeast Asian boy band. <laughs> you know I can't stand it when you pout. <laughs> Let's just put this aside. It's your birthday. What did we come here to do? To get a cat? Yeah. Not to get closer, air our dirty laundry about our relationship. So the last thing I'd want to do is get closer to you right now. Oh. So this cat has teeth too. <laughs> Let's get this cat, okay? Sneak it in. I don't care what she says. We'll hide it. 
Oh my God, I have never seen you take a risk like this. This is amazing. Yeah. You are really... Oh, you think I, I don't have what it takes to take risks? To be a little bit dangerous? Yo, let's take this cat home. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like this. <laughs> okay. Here's your parents. Come on. It's your birthday. Thanks. <laughs> we wouldn't even check him out. Fuck it, let's just leave. <laughs> What are you doing? Making a bond. <laughs> Cats like to be held by the neck. It reminds, it reminds me of their mother. Get in the car. I'm gonna let you drive because it's your birthday. Let yeah, me hold yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me hold him. He's very docile. Yes. <laughs> well, we just pulled a caper. <laughs> I like seeing this dangerous side of you. Belt yourself. Belt in. I don't want to see anything happen to you. <laughs> Actually, let's not. Okay. I might text while I drive, too. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so uh, we, we immediately went to the, uh, the uh, Anti-Cruelty Society. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you seem tired. It was a... I'm sorry? You seem tired. What did you think of this scene? No, I liked it. I love okay. those two guys. I, I felt like that was a very, very, like, realistic relationship. Yes. Well, I just went off you because, okay, we went to Anti-Cruelty Society, and then we went to, then you, you became cat-like. You use mm -hmm. both both of those suggestions, and I'm like, okay, let's just make these guys a couple, because yeah. that'll give us. I feel like that was a great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then for me, I, I, I it was like running a ma marathon. I I felt like the last two or three minutes of the scene, I didn't have anything else to do. Oh yeah, just. Uh, I feel like those guys' relationship was very interesting. Like the provider who wants kids, the guy who's like such a train wreck. Right. <laughs> He's like, uh, but you gave me a lot of great gifts. Okay. Um, you, it's just, a, an, uh, I forgot what you said, it's just, it, you just want it for status, you just mm -hmm. want it, you know, which helped me define what my character was. These guys know? were both kind of dickish. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Like, but yeah, very, very, <laughs> I really want, I, for some reason I really wanted them to work out. I did too, and I think they really did love each other, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, uh, and I think this was the first time that, that it was revealed about that he didn't think you were a good actor. Yeah. You know? Just some, oh. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Um, I liked it because a lot of stuff, had, like my wife has said to me that I wasn't a good actor. So I, I use that. Um, we have a cat, so I, I, I use that. So I like pulling stuff. I love when stuff comes organically from your life. Yeah. You know, and there's some, some truth to it. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to say about that scene? What would you have done differently? <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe just uh, be a little bit more uh, just aggressive with how, with how volatile that guy was. I feel like he, that, 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 that volatility could have been even more You wouldn't more want to heightened. Yeah. more angry. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Or just more, more, more mood swings. Because mm -hmm. we already saw him go from like zero to 60 right. so many times. If that was, it's clearly such I, a And I love the whole, the acting stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that was great. Okay, so we're going to, uh, if we could turn the house lights on, we're going to, if you want questions about what we just done, did or uh, to Ross, uh, here is your opportunity. Uh, just put your hands up and we will call on you. Great, uh, great right over here. Um, you had, uh, you had mentioned that, uh, while you were performing, like, at comedy sports, you were also simultaneously taking classes at I.O., um, and I guess my question is, like, do you, do you personally feel like maybe there's, like, a saturation point in terms of workshopping that, like, you can't really grow anymore unless you're actually on stage, like, sort of executing the skills that you've learned in the workshop? 
I think that if you're taking classes or workshopping, I think it's vital that you have an outlet on stage because that's just as valuable a learning experience. Um, just as like if, when you're starting out, uh, just going up on stage, you need to play it like a safe laboratory to like work on stuff before you before you put it up. Those two feed each other, and uh, so yeah, I think there is a point like once you've taken a ton of classes or workshops where you've got to start putting it into practice in front of an audience. But I also think that like there's there's totally a time to return to classes after you've after you've uh, after you've done uh, a bunch of shows. I think it's always good to keep a sort of like student-y mindset about it. That there's always something more to learn, because um, that that'll keep you from kind of getting lazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think get, when I moved here, I wanted to get up on stage as fast as possible, um, and I and I feel like ultimately I probably learned more in shows than I probably learned in classes. But I loved classes. And, uh, the other thing I thought was interesting, you worked the box office at Comedy Sports. Uh, yeah, yeah. And people will say, I, I know when I was around Second City, they're like, oh, work at the box office. What, what did you learn from working in the box office at Comedy Sports? I learned that people frequently mispronounce diversity as diversity. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get to the theater? Right now we're on diversity. <laughs> and uh, um, I also... Uh, <laughs> um, I learned that it's good. To, uh, <laughs> what, what are you gonna say? What are we gonna I learned say? it's good to have have a have a good headshot because <laughs> back back then comedy sports used to have all the headshots on a wall. Right in the lobby. There. Yeah, and when I first joined, I didn't have a headshot, so they just clipped it clipped up a, like a bad snapshot that I'd taken with a handheld camera. It was awful. Um, <laughs> learned that there's nothing more kind of like bizarre and sad than seeing an improviser standing outside of a theater waiting to go back into that theater to play party quirks. <laughs> 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 just like someone in a shirt, like a like a comic sports uniform or a suit, in the case of a Second City show, just standing out front of a closed door, silently. <laughs> Great. Uh, question here. Uh, I didn't catch your name. Stephen. Stephen. Yeah, uh, Are you from Denmark? Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, we 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 go all we go worldwide now. We're awesome. Yeah. Uh, what are your favorite character uh, or impression to do? Uh, you said you did like five minutes. Characters and impressions. Um, I mean, I, do you have one just in the back you could pull out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. I, I don't want to put any pressure. You came all the way from Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to do it, I totally understand. Yeah. The second thing you wanted to ask if you would rap. That would be the second thing. <laughs> I already did that in the last one. I know. Uh, I mean, I yeah. I feel like it's interesting. Not a lot of not a lot of impetus is put on like developing impressions in any sort of program or or, uh, or or stage or anything other than political impressions. Like Edgar's Obama got a lot of a lot of play in the last. When you did your year. SNL audition, what yeah. impression did you do? Because like Chicago people don't do impressions. That's been my experience. I mean, like you said, they'll do political stuff, but celebrities and stuff like that. Yeah, I did a. Uh, I did Christoph Waltz. I did um, <laughs> Rand Paul uh, and uh, uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> oh yeah, I was working on I was working on the the that doctor who uh, is the the spokesman for eHarmony, the founder of eHarmony. Because <laughs> he he sounds like Happy Droopy Dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, right here. Um, so you've done a ton of different stuff. You're on main stage now, and you've done beatbox and haterade and everything. You now audition for SNL. Is there anything else that you haven't done yet that you want a shot at? Yeah, I just like to, I want to keep trying, trying stuff I haven't done before. I I like I like the whole. The whole thing of performing solo is interesting to me. I'd love to keep working at that. Um, and I want to keep getting better at writing as well. I feel like that's a constant refrain among people who, alumni who come back and stuff, is that like work on writing, work on writing, work on writing. Because I mean, as an improviser, not a lot of impetus is put on it, like you said at the very beginning. But as far as like jobs that improvisers end up getting as they move into the television, 
That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then if you look at the people like that I've seen that have gone on, and I think I've said this before, everyone seems to have written their way, you know, like Tina Fey, written her way to the top, John Favreau, written their way to the top, Mike Myers, written their way to the top. I mean, writing is really important, I think, that, that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right here. Uh, you recently had the chance to uh, perform with Sir Patrick Stewart by <laughs> Shakespeare Company. Can you just describe the experience and how you felt? Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so we met Patrick Stewart. Um, the, the Second City did a show called Second City's Guide to the Opera at the Lyric Opera, and or, or Lyric Opera. There's no the, as we learned. Um, he was the MC. We sort of treated it like kind of like an SNL, where he was, where almost as if he was the guest. But we did a sort of uh, improvised Shakespeare bit in that in that Lyric Opera show, and afterwards. Joey Bland and I ambushed him. We were like, that was fun. You know, we do a full-length version of that. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, and he was like really? When? He's like, uh, we're actually going to do it in New York in a week. He's like, I'll be in New York in a week. He's like, would you like to do it? He's like, I'll be in touch. Give me your information. And uh, we were like, no way this happens. But we got to keep pursuing it. So, so did you, did you, did you <laughs> go and call Blaine immediately? Yeah, immediately. And what did Blaine say? He was like, yes, let's make it happen. So we... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, we, we don't have to audition him. He's in. Yeah. yeah. So we kept in touch with him, and uh, and and or yeah, they kept in touch with him, and he he agreed to do it, and was and already after meeting him at the at Lyric, he was just so nice, like so completely uh, game and and cool, and uh, and so he he arrived the day of the performance at the at the show in New York, and uh, just kind of came. Already, we'd been emailing back and forth. He's like, look, that Lyric Opera experience was very big. Uh, you, you understand you were taken care of very, very well. We are a very small entity. Uh, the most we can offer you is probably a bottle of water. And um, he's like, I completely understand. Uh, we're also like... Uh, there was no negotiation, like, what kind of water? Yeah. We were also like, we wear a uniform in our show. Uh, you, if you can see the pictures, you see we wear these like pirate shirts and we roll up our pants and stuff. He's like, you're free to wear that or not. He's like, I will wear your uniform. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes and, and we describe the show to him. He's never seen it before. He's only done like a brief, like three minute kind of version of it in that lyric show. So we describe, it's like, and he's like, do you have any structure? It's like, no, there's no structure. We just take the, we take the title, there's a prologue, and then we just go. And, uh, you know, just pay attention to names and like, and it just kind of unfolds as it would. Um, just, just play the characters, pay attention to the wants. And he's like, after describing it, he's like, it seems to me that what this work is about is largely listening. <laughs> yep, you got it. <laughs> he's like, he's like go, we keep explaining it. He's like, I have one request. I'm, I would love to be in the first seat because it's, it's deep end time. We have to just throw ourselves in. He's like, he's like, so yeah, listen to each other and just throw yourself in with confidence. You've just had a year's worth of improv. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, that was pretty much it. And then, then we got to play warm-up games. With him. <laughs> you ever want just playing zip zap zap with Patrick? <laughs> it's like zip zap zap. <laughs> <laughs> and what you realize halfway through that is just like he's just like he's just like us. He's just a theater dork, man. He's just super. He's just geeked about theater and performance. So uh, and he's just like ah, oh, fantastic. Cannot wait. Uh, so he's just a just super cool guy. Uh, I, I and uh, so yeah, we did the show and obviously he's like dynamite like his command of the language is just so second nature because he, he's done every play did he get laughs yeah man okay well the audience went ape shit when they saw him because because no one had said we anything got, we, and we didn't tell anybody that he was coming so it, that was in a way almost the the, the the funnest part of the show was just lights go out lights go up we're all on stage in our asinine outfits and uh and, and the audience is just like yeah and then you kind of hear the entire audience like notice him he's like yeah what <laughs> and literally a guy in the second row of the theater is just like yeah holy shit it's perfect stuff 
punching the guy next to me. Uh, and, and, uh, and Blaine was very cool. It's like, before it's like, listen, we understand that there's a special guest. No pictures, do not tape. This is just for us. And, uh, and people abided by it. And, uh, and yeah, he, he was great. He got laughs, he played along. But then he, uh, it, was, it was a really fun show. And then he came back uh, and did it again this past, uh, uh, maybe two months ago. He did a, a home show at IO. Same deal, we didn't tell anybody. And uh, again, where's my water? Crazy reaction. Where's my water? Yeah, he really, he was a real hard ass about that water. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like super, super cool uh, again. And um, and he would hit the just just on an improv savvy skill level of like making connections and like doing callbacks and like making really cool plot forwarding moves. His improvisational ability was just like exponentially grown between those two shows. And he wants to do it again, so he'll, I'm, he'll by, by the third or fourth time, he's gonna be the best improviser ever. Right. <laughs> and, and now, yeah, he's, but yeah, he's so game and cool and just such a sweet man. Ross Bryant, I wanna thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much for having me. I wanna thank your parents for coming in. And there you have it, the 51st episode of Improv Nerd. I don't mean to be technical or anal, but it is a pretty big deal. 51 episodes, think about it. I also want to thank our guest, Ross Bryant. And i got to tell you something. After the show, I really have this gut feeling that, that something good is going to happen. And I think this guy is going to get hired by SNL. Also want to thank the good people here at Stage 773, our home base. We couldn't do the show without you. And as always, my producer, a technical wizard, uh, just a great guy, Ben Caprero. Uh, the official hotel guests, when they come to stay in Chicago for Improv Nerf, they only stay at one place, and that place is Hotel Lincoln. Hotel Lincoln is in the heart of Lincoln Park. It's just blocks away from Second City and a cab ride from the Annoyance I.O. and Comedy Sport. It's reasonably priced. They just renovated, so it's super hip, and it's improv-friendly. The official hotel of Improv Nerd is Hotel Lincoln. Also, check out the other great podcasts at feralaudio.com, like Chelsea Peretti, Conversations with Matt Dwyer, and our favorite, Brain Warp, the Baby Eater. Uh, if you want to know more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my Improv Nerd blog, and my award-winning uh, improv classes, the artist low comedy, go to jimmycorain.com. Also, go to our Improv Nerd Facebook page and like us. Like us, please. It really helps with my low self esteem. And thank you for listening and all your support. And keep sending those emails with all your feedback. We really, really appreciate it. And until next time, remember walk, don't run. Let's say uh, Seinfeld was on an island and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Oh, Mr. Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein, and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, I'd love having you 